How's that? Good morning. Great to be with you guys. I know uh, having our kids, we're not used to that these days. You know, when I was growing up, we sat in church and I got hit in the back of the head with my dad's ring and all that good stuff, you know, when I talked. And so I just want to let you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to uh, just respect the time today with the kids. I know it's tough to have them in here in church in our sermon time, and it's hard probably for them to pay attention to a boring guy like me. And so uh, you, you do the best you can, and we'll, we'll move through this pretty quickly. I think it's George Burns who said, uh, the best sermons are the ones that start really well and end great and have as little time as possible in between. And so that's what we'll, we'll, try, to, we'll try to kind of follow George Burns and move pretty quickly this morning. We're in this, this series, and you're, if you're here visiting today, and there's a lot of you that are, we're glad you're here. We're in this series called Man Versus, and we've been using this boxing metaphor to talk about being in a fight with sins in our life. And a lot of these are kind of subtle. They're things maybe we don't think about sometimes being in, in, in the ring fighting against a couch or against money or against uh, ourself or food or our flesh or resentment. And today we come to uh, talking about rage, man versus rage or anger. Our, one of our main scriptures that we've been looking at all this whole time is from 1 Timothy that's up here on this banner. It says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to the faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Part of our walk with the Lord is fighting the good fight counter-punching against this enemy that we're in the ring with, being aware and honest about the sins that we are tempted with, the sins that we fall and struggle with, protecting our hearts. That's what we're going to finish talking about today as we talk about man versus anger. And I just want to begin that today by, by trying to be as real as possible. And I think the best way, one of the best ways to do that is to hear from brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this morning I've invited Nick Hildreth to come and share a short story with us. Nick, come on up here. Would you guys give him a big gateway welcome? Let me just tell you in a way of introduction, Nick is one of my friends. I'm grateful for this brother. Yeah, thanks. I'll take a hug. I need it when I'm standing up here in front of all these folks. And uh, Nick, is, Nick was, became a Christian when he was young. Uh, he he was away from the Lord for quite a long time, but for at least 15 years now, he's been walking with the Lord. I'm not saying he's a perfect person, but this is a solid Christian man. If you know Nick, you know that he loves the Lord, he loves the Word, uh, he lives out his Christianity. So we're talking about a mature Christian man, and he's going to share a story with you briefly about something that recently happened to him when God revealed something to him about his heart. Right here in the microphone, Nick. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, the Lord showed me something in me I didn't know existed. Uh, I've never been a prideful man or angry man, but I applied for a job, a new position about two weeks ago, and I got turned down. And the day I got turned down, the anger inside me just came from deep inside me. I didn't even know it existed anymore, so the hurt and anger just come flowing out, and I guess it was because of pride. But uh, it's hard to admit, that day I lost sight of my Lord for a moment. And anger kind of overwhelmed me. I think you told me when you were telling me about this, Nick, that 
that day nobody wanted to be around you. Is that right? Mm. Or you didn't want to be around anybody? I didn't want to be around nobody that day. Yeah. Instead of turning to the Lord and trusting in Him, the anger consumed me. Right. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't know that was in me. And, and you, you shared this with me. Tell, tell these folks how God helped you with this. And speak right in here to the microphone. They're trying to get you. Well, you they can't quite pick you up. There you go. Well, the next morning, uh, he kind of reminded me that he's still in charge. And I humbled myself in front of him and got on my knees and had asked his forgiveness for the anger that I felt and the hurt I felt. And my wife's words kind of explained it the best. My words didn't max, match my actions that day. If you know me, you know where my heart is, you know where my faith is. And that day, you wouldn't have. And so that's kind of hard to, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that. But God, God helped you, though, after you humbled yourself with that. You told me that that was a really better day. And since yeah, then, yeah. Have, you still, have you still struggled with that since then? Has it come well, back up? Kind of half and half. It, Satan always attacks us on where our weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. And he always puts the thoughts in my head that that should have been yours. But when he does, now I turn to where I should have been in the first place. I ask the Lord to take it away, and it goes away, and I got peace about it. Because he's always in charge of our life, and he already knows what's best for us. Amen. Thank you, Nick. You guys give him a big hand. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Let's pray together, and then we'll read our text for today. God, uh, I just thank you for my brother Nick. Thank you for his humility and his honesty to admit today the struggle that he's uh, just recently been through and still in. And we, I think, I know I can, Lord. I think most of us can relate. God, would you help us to crack open our hearts a little bit today and listen to your word? We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us today and that we might leave here uh, a bit more equipped to be in this fight, that we might leave here today more like Jesus. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 is going to be the main scripture we're going to think about today. Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Just looking at this one verse, there are several things we can learn. One of them is this. You're going to be angry. It's a part of being a human being. Another thing that we can see is this. It's possible to be angry and not sin. I think sometimes we might think, well, if I ever get angry, that's sinful. No, this scripture says, in your anger, don't sin. It's possible to be angry and that not be sinful. And we'll talk more about that in a little while. It's also obvious to us, I think, and from the scripture we see it's also possible to be angry and to be sinful. It's possible to let the sun go down on a day or even a season and you're still angry. Maybe it's your ex-husband or your ex-wife and you went through that season and they hurt you deeply and the divorce happened and Time has passed. You were very angry then, but if you're honest about it now, th th that season, the sun has set on that season of your life, but you're still very, very angry. 
Maybe for some of you, it's not your ex-husband or your ex-wife. Maybe it's your current husband or wife that you're sitting beside today. And you're like, if he would just stop doing, you know, or, you know, when we talk about anger, you know, you're thinking, if she would just listen to me. I mean, maybe it's the person that you love the most that you live with that, man, you got some anger. Maybe it's a coworker. And they always throw you under the bus or leave you holding the bag or, or, or they take your ideas or, or somehow or another they, they hurt you at work. Maybe it's a family member you have to see at Thanksgiving and Christmas and that kind of thing. And you know every time, oh, just, boy, you know, just something in your gut every time you're in the room with them. Maybe it's not a person. It's a faceless entity. Maybe it's our government. Maybe some of you just, you watch the news, you talk with your friends at coffee, and you're so angry, you just, oh, it's all you can think about, and you're just burning inside. Maybe for some of you it's not the government, but it's sort of a, a segment of our society, and you think they're hurting us, and you feel like if they would just, and you're angry with them. Maybe it's something in the past, perhaps something your parents did to you, or perhaps it's a stranger who hurt you badly, changed your life forever. Whatever it was, they hurt you and made you angry, and it was probably justifiable that you were angry. But the sun has gone down in that particular season of your life, and you are still burning inside. And the devil, this verse tells us, has a foothold, a foothold in your life. I want us to imagine today this. I want us to imagine that anger is like a cup of poison. And, and you're holding this cup and some circumstances happen or someone treats you a certain way and this cup begins to fill up. Most of us can relate to that. We know what that feels like. We're holding this cup. And people do usually one of two things with this cup that we're holding of anger, something that someone's done, somehow that we're angry. The first one is this. We spew it all over people around us. Some of us are spewers, aren't we? We just blow up over whoever is around us. We let them know that we're upset. If you're a spewer, I don't know if you do it. It, it may be because it's what you learn from your, from your family. Your parents taught you to be a spewer. It may be because you've got a lot of anger about other things going on in your life, and it just builds up, and then you blow up on people you don't mean to. Some of you, it may be that you found out, I mean, you're a bully, and you found out it works good to be a spewer. I mean, when I get loud and I get mean, I get my way, and I like having my way. And so, boom, I'm going to spew this so I can get my way. I don't know why, if you're one of these spewers, I don't know why it is, but I want you to hear God's word today. Listen to Proverbs 29. A fool gives full vent to his anger. But a wise man keeps himself under control. The Bible doesn't say that a wise man stays silent and doesn't say a single word. A wise man may have a lot to say, but he or she says it with control, self-control. The New Testament says this about this kind of anger. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. If you are here today and you are a spewer and you don't listen to people and you're quick to lose your temper, you probably already know while you're sitting here that you have a problem. And you know that this scripture is true. Your anger is not bringing about the righteous life that God wants for you. And I hope as we get to the end of this, I just have two or three counter punches 
for this sin that I hope will help you. So listen, stay tuned in. I, I got to talk to another group. If, if you're a spewer, I'm kind of done, okay? You can, oh, he let me off the hook. Okay, so now I'm going to talk to another group. This is what some of us are spewers, and then some of us, instead of doing that, we're stewers. You know what I'm talking about? Is that, I don't even think those are words, spewers and stewers. I just made them up. But anyways, we take this cup, and it starts getting full of that poison and that anger, and we just... We just smile. We're fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm okay. We just swallow that down. We just push it down. We just hold it inside, and we just let it stew. Now, you may do that because you feel guilty, because you used to be a spewer, and you don't want to be that anymore, so that's all you know to do. You just became a stewer. Maybe you grew up with a spewer, and you're like, I'm not going to be like him or her. Maybe some of you are just afraid of confrontation. You're not willing to talk about when you are angry. Some of you may do it because you don't know really what else to do right now, but you're just going to swallow that down, and buddy, you just wait until later when I figure out what to do. Yeah. I don't know why you might be a steward if you are, but I want, I want you to hear what the Bible says about this. Psalm 32, when I kept silent, when I pushed that down, I was just silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. If you're a person who swallows down the cup of anger, then I'm going to tell you this, you may or may not know that you have a problem. You, you may have it under control right now, and you may think everything's fine. But eventually, you continue doing that, you keep doing that for years over and over and over, and you're going to find yourself wasting away. You're going to find yourself groaning and being sapped of your strength because you're going to become something ugly, and it's called bitter. Now, in this context, in this particular verse we looked at right here, David is really talking about guilt. But it really is the same with anger. The same thing happens when we bottle it up. We get upset, and rather than working it out and talking to the person health with some healthy dialogue, which is a whole other sermon and another topic, but instead of doing that, if we just swallow it down, and honestly, we kind of look a little bit self-controlled, we look pretty good on the outside, but on the inside, just below the surface, there's something boiling, and actually, it could spew at any moment. And here's the biggest problem with being a steward, is... It can be the opposite of love. You see, love keeps no record of wrongs. But most of the time, people who are stewards, who just push that stuff down, they have very long lists of things that have been done to them. Sometimes I counsel with people, and you know you've had friends like this, and some of you have been through what I'm about to say. I counsel with people sometimes. A guy comes to my office... And he says, I think my marriage is over. And I'm like, wow, you know, what happened? Well, she left. Well, I know, I got that, she left. But what did she say? She didn't say anything. She just left. You know what that is? That's a steward. That's someone who's been pressing it down until they've had it up to here. Now, should the steward just be blamed for that whole relationship? No. That, that man 
should have been not as dumb as a rock. He should have figured out that he was doing some things wrong and picked up on some signals and changed some things. He has a part in this, right? But so did she, that she just pushed all this down and was never willing to talk. How does that, how does that happen? Is it just one day somebody just decides, I'm just going to, it built up in one day. No, you know it doesn't happen that way. Couples get upset. We all get upset with each other when we're married. And, and it's, a lot of times it's over small things, but then somebody kind of blows up or says something, a little jab, and all of a sudden we're stewing. And if you're both stewers and you go to bed angry, then, then you, do, you do in the bed what I call the fighting position, right? That's where he lays facing the wall this way and she lays facing the wall this way, right? And, uh, and, and as they face opposite ways, no part of their body ever touches. Exactly, right? And the first one who does accidentally touch the other person loses a point. Yeah. yeah you know what I'm talking about, don't you? And you lay there and you won't even say goodnight. You just lay there and you're like, I'm not going to say goodnight. He started this. He's the one who said it. He better say goodnight. He can say, I'm not saying goodnight. I'm not going to do that. And if you accidentally, when you move and change the pillow and you accidentally brush, you know, some part of your, your body, maybe your foot touches his or her foot, you know, and you jerk your foot back, you know, you're not getting any foot tonight, no way, you know, and you pull that back over here, you know, like, no. I don't actually know what, anything about this personally, but I've read books about it and heard about it. <laughs> some of you have told me about it. And you know what's happening when, when we go to bed that way? Do not give the devil a foothold. Because we're literally giving the devil a foothold. The word foothold in the Greek language means an opportunity or a location. We're literally giving the devil room to move in. We're giving him space. We're opening the door to our heart through anger and letting the devil come right in to our hearts. And this has been one of the biggest verses of our whole series, and I would say it's one of the most important verses maybe in the Bible, because the Bible says it that way. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. One of my favorite uh, movies, and you kids that are in here, you know this movie, and even some of you teenagers, because it's that old, is the movie Toy Story. Do you guys remember that movie, Toy Story? Some of you have seen it. It's a great movie. And there's a, there's a part in this where Miss Potato Head is packing for Mr. Potato Head. And as she's packing his stuff, she says to him, what mood are you in? And he said, I'm not sure what mood I'm in. She said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll pack your shoes and your angry eyes just in case. It's pretty good. I like that. And some of us have packed up our angry eyes just in case. And we carry him with us everywhere we go. And we've allowed the sun to go down, not just on a day or a night that we had a fight with our spouse, but on a whole season of our life. And so you go from childhood to adolescence and you're angry. You move from adolescence to marriage or whatever next part of your life is and you're angry. And you move from that part to the next part and you fill in the blanks. You move from season to season and you carry your angry eyes with you. You carry this built up stuff. And it's deadly to us and to relationships. Now, we got stewers and spewers, all right? We got those two. But there's, here's the deal. Ang anger is a tricky subject. And this is where we're going to kind of wrap this thing up and finish. Is James 1.17 tells us this. It's one of our theme verses that we've been looking at here on our, 
on our uh, banner. James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is a great God. God is a good God. God gives us good gifts all the time in our life. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. All the good things that he gives to us. And so I have to ask this question. Is anger a gift? Is it something that God gave us? Have you ever thought about that before? Did God give us the gift of anger? Well, I think it can be. And part of the reason I believe that is because God gets angry. You know that, right? Look at what Psalm says, Psalm 711. God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. This is one of a myriad of scriptures that talks about that God gets angry about certain things. And look at the prayer that David put in the Bible. This is David. He is the man after God's own heart. And his son Absalom was trying to take the kingdom away from him. And he was chasing him, and David was running away from his adult son. And his son was not only doing bad things to David, but doing bad things to the whole kingdom. Horrible things. This is the prayer that David prayed for his son. Listen to this. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O God. Strike my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. Wow, that's a great prayer. You know? Why don't we make this into a song that we sing on Sunday mornings instead of God is so good? Why don't we sing... Strike all my enemies on the jaw, break all their teeth, you are so good. Okay, why don't we do that? Well, it doesn't sing very well. I don't sing very well either, but it doesn't sing very well, does it? We want to sing about, oh, God's so good and he's so sweet and everything's great. And there's a prayer in his book that says, God, I want you to break Absalom's teeth, knock his teeth out. What kind of God puts that kind of prayer in his book? Well, I'm going to tell you, I think he puts it there for two reasons. And, and the first one is this. To let us know that there are times we should be angry. There are times we should be angry. If God is angry sometimes, if God is a God of justice, then when we get angry about things that are wrong in this world, when we get angry because people are mistreated around us, that is a God-given anger. No one had to tell you when you were in the sandbox and you were a little kid. Now, you see, now look, now see when Johnny takes your toy away from you and the toys of the other kids, you tell him no. Nobody had to teach you that. It was just in you. When people did things wrong in the sandbox, you stood up and you said no. That's not right. Don't do that. Give me my toy back. Now, partly because you're selfish, too. That's the other reason, all right? But it's also this God-given thing that he gave us this, there are some things that are right and some things that are wrong. If you can hear about certain things that are going on in the world, certain things on the news, people that are mistreated all over the earth, and you don't care, and you don't get angry about some of the horrible things happening in our world, I think you need to check your pulse. I think you need to, Question, am I, am I a human being or am I just a selfish, just give everything to me person? What if God gave us anger as a gift so it would move us like rocket fuel, move us to do things to make things right in this world, to bring justice in this world, to have right actions in this world? What if God gave us anger for that reason? And we're just going, oh, I don't want to get too angry about that. I want to be sweet. I want to be nice. 
That's the first reason I think that this prayer is here. And here's the other reason that this prayer is in the Bible about God hitting someone in the mouth and knocking their teeth out. Is This prayer is here to give you and me permission to pray anything that's on our hearts. Anything that's on your heart. See, we know we're going to get angry, right? We know that's going to happen. But what are our options going to be? Well, we could either pour it out, take it and pour it on other people, or we could take it and we could pour it on ourselves and just, you know, push it down. Or better yet, here's a third option, and I couldn't think of anything that rhymed with spewers and stewers except chewers, and I couldn't make that work. So here's option number three that doesn't rhyme, and that is pour it on God. Are you angry? Then take your anger and say it out loud to God. That's what the Psalms do. God, I don't know what to do about this. I've done everything I know what to do about this. I'm sick of this. You do something about this. Here, have them. That's what the Psalms do. I think it's a lot like our kids. You know, when my kids were younger, when they were little, I used to, you know, you're having a great evening, we're hanging out with friends, and all the kids are in the bedroom, they're playing, laughing, woo, it's going great, until finally somebody goes, you know, smack, ah, I'm going to tell on you, right, okay? And we'd hear that, and we're like, oh, here it comes, and they come running down the hall, he did this, and the other one's right behind, no, I didn't, he did this first, you know, and they're back and forth. I'm going to tell dad, I'm going to go tell on you. If there's truly something wrong that was happening when my kids come to me, I'm going to do something about that. If there's something bad going on, something dangerous, I'm going to do something about that. And the kids exaggerate the whole thing, you know? She took my toy and she ripped my arm off and you should, you know, get rid of her and put her in the doghouse, take all her toys away. You know, they exaggerate the whole story, right? Try praying that way sometimes. Just try praying whatever's in you. Just let it out to the Lord. Give it all to him, not in some flowery language, but however it comes out of your heart. Kids want it done the way they want it, the way that they think it should be done. And here's the deal. Many times when my kids came to me, I'm going to tell on you, and they tell me about their little story. I'll be quite honest with you. As their dad, I didn't really care. I didn't. I was like, who cares about your dumb little Power Ranger? You know, it's your sister. I don't care. You know, throw the Power Ranger in the truck. I didn't say all that. That's what I'm thinking inside. But I care about my kids. Even though I didn't care about the Power Ranger, I love my kids. And so I listened. And I comforted. And I counseled. And I kept going with them through it. And it didn't always work out the way they wanted. I didn't always kick his sister out in the doghouse. And I didn't always take all his toys away. And I didn't always you know, give him a spanking or whatever. I didn't always do what the other one wanted. See, God can be quite unfair sometimes. When we take our enemy to God and we turn him over to God, sometimes he might show our enemy grace and mercy and patience just like he's shown you. And that doesn't always feel that great because I want him to do it my way. But it also feels so freeing at the same time because when you talk about that pain and you get it out and you bring it to the one who can heal, things can happen. God can work inside your heart. And so that actually is the first 
counterpunch is to pray your anger. I encourage you to do this. Pray your anger. If you're a stewer or a spewer and you feel that cup beginning about to spit out or about to swallow down and make you sick, instead, take that cup and go pour it out on the Lord. Pray your anger. The second counterpunch is this. Remember how much you've been forgiven. Before you bring your big long list of what he or she has done to you and what you want to happen to them, try thinking about a list of what God's forgiven you for, of all the mistakes you've made, of all your imperfections, and get not, not to feel guilty, but to give him thanks and praise that he would love you so much and be so patient with you. This is what the scriptures say. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How? How can I do that, God? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's how. If you don't remember that you've been forgiven, you won't be able to forgive. And the last one, counterpunch number three. And I, So pray your anger. Remember how much you've been forgiven. And this is the last one. This wasn't going to be a part of my sermon, but I bumped into Jim Lindenberger, and he, he and I were talking about this sermon, and I really appreciate what he said. He said, you know what's one of the things that has changed my life? Is to memorize scriptures to soak my heart and my mind in God's word and let God's word change me. So maybe for you, if you struggle with anger, maybe, maybe you need to go get your Bible out this afternoon and look up in the concordance anger and just pick one and memorize the scripture. Maybe it's the one we talked about today. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. What does it say at the end? Do not give the devil a foothold. Yeah, I was going to try to memorize that this week, but I didn't quite get it done. But if you, those are three little sentences. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold. Maybe that's just let, it, let that soak in your mind, in your heart, and God begins to change what's going on inside of you. Well, this has been a, a series that's really been a little bit difficult, honestly, for me, because I've had to look in the mirror at myself as we've read God's word, and I haven't liked a lot of the things that I've seen. And, and it could be kind of a, a really downer and a negative thing for us to talk about the sins that we're tempted with and the sins that we struggle with and the sin, sins that we fall and, and the things that we're fighting and in the ring with. It could be a real downer. And so I want to finish today by just reminding you of what we started with, and that is this. God gives good gifts. Think about all the things that God is giving you in your life. The devil takes those gifts, whatever they are, and he twists them. God gives us gifts like rest and money. He gives us sex and provision. He gives us self-worth and food. And he even gives us anger. And the devil takes all those and he twists them around and he gets us in the ring and he starts pounding us. But we have remembered every time that we've met to do this series that the war against sin was won on the cross. The devil was defeated. And we get to continue to be a part of the battle against evil while we're here. It's a privilege, really, to get to be a part of this battle. And so if you're struggling with any of these that we've talked about, especially today if you're struggling with this idea and this thought about anger, Remember this, God's mercies are new every single 
morning. God is full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's full of patience for you angry people. He loves you just like you are. And this is, I think, I hope, the most hopeful thing that you've heard as we've talked through this series. Sin does not have to rule our lives. God can be Lord of our lives. Jesus can be the King of our lives. We can overcome sins in our life. Not by ourselves, no way. We would fail every time miserably. But we can overcome sin in our life because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. Because of that, He can be our all in all. That's what He can be. Not sin becoming what we long for and the thing that is our all in all, but He, Jesus Christ, can be our all in all. If there's anything that we've talked about that you feel like, I I just need a little bit of help. I need somebody to pray with me. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know Christ, but you'd like to know more about Him. You'd like to take a step in His direction. We have a time of invitation, and it is the invitation of Christ to come to Him. We'll have some shepherds here to pray. If you need prayer, you come.